Hey, this is Jacob Hudson, and you're listening to the New Strength Way podcast, where we guide you through becoming the strongest version of yourself through movement, education, and connection. Now let's get into it. All right, guys, we're back with one of my favorite people in the fitness industry. He's doing a lot of cool things here, wearing his new space for the Youth Academy. Uh, so, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So, we first met... Uh, would it have been early last year? Yeah, almost a year yeah. ago to the day. Yeah, about a year ago at a workshop in Sydney mm-hmm. uh, with Logan Gelbrick, who's a super cool dude. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I think uh, I walked in, uh, ran into Mel Corlett, a friend of mine, uh, and there was a seat next to her and just sat down. And Logan got everyone started off and I was like, went around the room where you were from. I was like, hey, Jacob from Newcastle. And then, you're like, hi, I'm Nick from Newcastle. I was like, I knew you looked familiar, yeah. but I wasn't quite sure where. And then as soon as you said Youth Academy, I was like, that's who it is. Yeah. So uh, it was a really, really cool thing because as we spoke about a little bit before the show that uh, you were somebody that I'd seen a lot of stuff of. I really, really resonated with a lot of the messages that you were sharing and particularly around the, the way, new way of coaching the youth and influencing those guys. And I guess part of it is that somewhat you treat, you treat all your kids like an adult as well. Uh, but let's skip over too much of the details and I want you you to start off with sharing a little bit of your story between whether it's be sport, what got you into training uh, and then got you started on this journey of uh, what you're doing now. Yeah, so my foray into training, um, it started just due to sport specific reasons. So growing up, I was overweight, borderline obese as a kid. Right. Um, yeah, so I was, a, I was a quite a big kid up until let's say the age of about 16, um, but blessed at sport. I don't know what it was, but every single sport under the sun that I like, tried my hand at, I'd do a, a pretty goddamn good job at it. And that saw me have the opportunity to represent Newcastle in cricket and represent Newcastle and New South Wales in baseball. Um, so in 2004, we went to country nationals at Mount Gambier uh, and I was atrocious down there. Looking back with hindsight now, I can understand all the ways that I got like inside of my own head um, and inside of my own way, yet there was still off the back end of that, I was presented with an opportunity. 2005, to travel over to America for a training camp that was set up by the then Florida Marlins, now the Miami Marlins. And being as young and naive as I was, there were 20 of us Australian boys that went over, it was a shot. Like there were boys that got picked up who were now in the MLB system over there. Right. And it's like, okay, I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. It's all that I've ever known. Like sport was everything to me back in the day. I'm like, sweet, let's have a real good crack at this. Let's go for it. Unfortunately, I was lazy. Like it it was a representation of my body at that time, um, representation of the habits and that that I had. And it was just a sense of being in the right place at the right time and having some natural abilities that got me to the level that, that I got to. And coming back home from Australia after that opportunity, I was depressed, I was distraught, I was down in the dumps and I was lost. And I looked at these boys that did get picked up Um, by the Boston Red Sox at the time and a couple of boys are now with the Baltimore Orioles, Minnesota Twins. And I'm looking at them and I'm 15 years old and I'm like, what the hell is the difference between me and them? Why have these guys made it? Young, naive, I could not look past the fact that they look differently to how I looked and that they could perform these amazing athletic feats that I couldn't perform. 
So I'm like, okay, cool. I am going to work to become more of an athlete. So over the course of a single summer, I threw myself into the internet, into magazines to learn everything that I could about training and nutrition. I lose close to 40 kilos. Wow. Worst thing that I've ever done. For close to the next two years of my life, between 16 and 18, anorexia, orthorexia, depression, and suicidal thoughts. And for two years, I'm in the depths of my own hell. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And I am so bloody grateful for mum and dad who had no idea what they were doing and how could they. But to guide me through that process of one day just waking up, brushing my teeth, looking at myself in the mirror and seeing a goddamn skeleton, I'm like, okay, something has to change. So it was at that point that I enrolled at the University of Newcastle. So I studied nutrition and dietetics to become a dietitian. Um, the goal then was to go down sports dietetics. And I started to throw my set in myself at the feet of Zach Evanesh, Jay Ferruja, Luca Hochevar. How can we learn about training for performance, for strength, for speed, for power, for explosiveness, for change of direction, for work capacity, energy system development, all of those things, instead of just training for what we look like. Unfortunately, with uni, like I was still lazy. It took me seven years to graduate. Right. Huh. I uh, was overseas in 2013, and it was the mid-semester break. Three days before I'm supposed to fly home, I get an email with semester one's results. It's like nutritional biochem, so this subject, fail. Second time that I'd failed it. Failed organic chemistry. Uh, I got like a 52 in stat, I failed another subject, and accompanying that email was an email from the head of the dietetics degree. And said, Mr. Mayer, if you fail one more subject, you're done. We're kicking you out. It's taking you too long. You can't finish. So I'm like, fuck, what the hell am I going to do? Like, if I come home, mum and dad are ropeable. I had to quit my job. We've got nothing to go back to. I can't go on placement because I didn't get through the subject. So I'm sitting there, 23 years old, looking at it, being like, what the hell am I to do with my life? Like, I'm a failure right now. Everything that I've thrown myself into... I haven't achieved. Like, what, what the hell am I going to do? So I chose to stay in Europe and essentially run away. And in that seven months that I spent abroad, it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. It's the first time that I had space to really sit with myself. You know, no distractions. I could do what I wanted. And it was there that I was like, okay, I have so many experiences and so much knowledge what the hell do I want to do with it? So I was currently operating peak at that time with Marco, but I'm like, something's out of alignment. Like there's just something about coaching adults that doesn't feel right. And I'd always had the idea about training youth and coaching youth and developing youth, but I was scared to do it because I'd never done it before. And the deal with Marco was, let's go do the adults. And once that's set, we'll go do the kids. But it was like, no we're going to now go and, and chase this. And, you know, here we are today. We started the academy in 2016 because it took me three years to work up the courage. Um, but, yeah, luckiest people on earth right now. Man, that's incredible. Like, I, I didn't know nearly any of that, uh, that part of your backstory. I've just seen the, uh, the man that you are today and uh, a lot of the inspiring stuff that you, you've taught. Uh, that's... that's 
such a powerful backstory, which I, I think it really, really hints towards why you are so uh, inspired to influence the youth in that in that with your own story there. So that's super cool, and thank you for sharing that, man. That uh, I think that's probably one of the most powerful starting eight minutes of the podcast yet. So which is cool. So let's let's talk about a few of those things that, as you said, that seven months in Europe when you stayed back there. Uh, was the first time you had that time for yourself to really get to understand you. What were some of those things that you picked up on? Because obviously, like you said that you've been, like you grew up, you were lazy within sports, lazy within study. That's not the kind of guy that you are right now. Like there is like a billion books behind us. Like you're, uh, you're very, very well. Your work ethic is something that I really, really respect and admire with, with yourself. So what were some of those things that you picked up in that time there? And, and how did you make this pivot from that person or that version of Nick there to the guy now that I know that there is quite a lot of people in the fitness industry, quite a lot of young, uh, young sports people and, and young uh, people training at the gym that I know that a lot of them look up to you. So what were some of those changes and, and where, were, where were those that you started to identify that? It, it was the first time that I had to support myself and look after myself. Like I was living in Munich and I was lucky to have family However, okay, now I need to, you know, learn to speak another language. Uh, I need to find an apartment for myself. I need to find work for myself. Like, it's all on me. What a brilliant position to be in because I have never been as scared or as fearful before in my life. But it was also the chance to do what I wanted. And I now have discovered that one of the things that I value most in life is freedom and just freedom to choose to do what I would like to do. And that was the first time in my life that you know I was put in that position. So to discover that about myself and to be like, hey, I'm actually a heck of a lot more capable than I was giving myself credit for in the past. Yeah. And I can actually do this. So what else can I now go on to do? You know, it's, it's the first time because I didn't have a TV. I had no data. Like, no, I could only get onto the internet when I was on Wi-Fi. So I had all this free time where if I wasn't walking around experiencing things or working, I'm like, what the hell do I want to do? So there's one book behind us that started it all, Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas. Really? It it's is a... my favourite Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, so... But the thing that I really want to hold on there and that was, that was super powerful was a, it's all on me. And this is something that I think like that statement can have two different views depending on where you are in the headspace that you are. Because mm-hmm. it's all on me leaves like all the responsibility on you, but it also leaves all the responsibility on you. Mm-hmm. So it can be like, okay, I have opportunity here or like I'm in trouble now. I've got nobody to, to back me up. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things, because you, you, I'm sure you would work with a lot of people that would be on either of those positions. And it's very, very common in the fitness industry that you see the people that are like, they're go-getters, they're like, they set themselves tasks and goals and they just take action on it and go for it. And I think that's very much of like, what way they look at that, uh, that answer or that, that statement is like, it's all on me. It's like, I've got the chance. What are some of those differentiating factors in those, in the kids that you work with, the, the ones that are like ready to go for that and take that responsibility and take action and really pursue their goals? And maybe what are some of the, the common characteristics of the, uh, of the people that aren't quite ready there? And how, how have you found sometimes that shifts? Because I'm sure that it's all on me at like 15, 16 year old Nick might not have had the same outlook as 
uh, Nick, when you actually were starting to take that action? Yeah, it, it all comes down to perspective. Um, what we find with the youth is that it comes down to understanding, and this is our role as coaches. It's not around movement. It's how well can we communicate with the kids, how well can we form relationships, connections with them to start to teach them some of these truths. So when they come in, essentially what we're saying to them is that we take them through this process of we get them to describe themselves as they see themselves right now. So if you had to sum yourself up in a sentence or using a few words, what would you say about yourself? So let's see how this level of self-awareness is. How are we currently identifying ourselves? Whatever comes up there, it may be the very first time they've put thought towards that. Some kids just nail it. Then we say, okay, cool. Take them through a bit of a breathing process and now we get them to envision the person they want to become. So if we've got a goal of making rep or making you know, NRL, that sort of level, the person that's achieving that, what's the difference between who you are now and, and them? How would you describe them? You know, they go through that process. We say, okay, there's a, a characteristic. There's something that all of these words that you just described have in common. What do you think they might be? Then we then play hangman with them, have a heap of fun, and they get to identify that the characteristics that they just described about the person that they'd love to become, they're all choices that they can make in this very moment, that all things are inside of their control. They're all skills that they can start working on developing right this very moment. We say, okay, who's responsible for that? They say, well, okay, I am. And we say, is that empowering or is that scary? And that's where we start to see what's their perspective on this right now. The ones that say it's empowering, why? They don't quite have an answer for it. They just think that that's what we want to hear. Yeah. And we say, okay, why is it scary? And like, well, I have no one to blame. I can't project and point this finger like it's, it's on me. And so if I fail, well, now we need to have a conversation around the perspective of failure. But if I fail, like then, yeah, like that's going to hurt. It's like, okay. Here's the flip side to it, and this is where we want to focus. Who would you rather put money on and bet on and back to achieve what they want to achieve in life? Are you going to back yourself and put the house on yourself or someone that you can't control and you have no idea what's going to happen? And that's where they start to go, well, I want to bet on myself. Yeah? So now what behaviours do you need to have what beliefs you need to have in order to start moving towards being this person that, that you want to be who has the opportunity to achieve what you want to achieve. But then we also take responsibility away from them because do we ever control the outcome? No. 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 So what do we control? Our level of effort to the things that align with moving us towards the outcome that we want. So that there takes all pressure away because we don't control what happens. We don't control whether we achieve it or not. Like you go to a comp and you might have the best comp of your life. Yeah, PRs in everything. But old mate from WA, he PRs everything as well and he just gets your bite. So it's like if I attach to the outcome and put pressure on it, well, okay, that's where I'm going to, to be heard at the end of the day. So that's where we take responsibility away from those sorts of things and place them in the, in the position of the things that we can control. I love that, man. That's epic. That's super cool. And I, I think that's the sort of thing that 
Uh, I'm sure you would probably have a story similar, but I, I know I had one coach in particular back when I was playing footy that taught a lot of things. And honestly, I don't even think he knew that he was teaching them to us. Uh, he, d- he just made us run, but he just really valued work ethic and uh, the focus on putting in your best effort towards it. And we won a hell of a lot of footy games that we shouldn't have won. Uh, and these sort of things that I think from listening to that is that's the thing that those coaches always bring out in you and, and they're the ones that stick with you for a long time. So I think that having those impacts and those conversation with, the, with those youth, the youth that come in here, I think that's the things that they're going to be telling their kids in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, whatever point that is, and uh, constantly going back to is those same things as having that uh, for yourself. So was there somebody for you that was that mentor model that really helped instill a lot of things, whether like parents, uh, coaches, anything like that? Yeah, so there's a, a lady who changed my life. Uh, it was when I got back from Europe. Um, so it was very, very early, 2014. Uh, I got through the subjects that I needed to, so I got to go on placement. Um, and I found myself out in Forbes, so way out west, New South Wales. And we were there for three weeks. Uh, this lady was a dietitian at the time and she sat me down after about five days of being out there and she said, Nick, you're gonna run a business one day. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, you're, you're not made for dietetics. She's like, you just have this mind that you know, you're destined for things that you don't quite see. And I was lucky enough to have her coach and nurture me you know, through this exploration process of, well, I don't know what the hell business has to do with anything and really start to question myself. So, you know, as Logan says, go after your disconfirming information. Like she was the first one to really question me on things and make me open my perspective to what I really wanted. Like I, I was doing dietetics because I just thought that it was the next natural step. Like I have this interest around nutrition, so that's what makes sense. Um, and for her to identify that in me and then nurture me through that process of showing me how she runs her business, you know, teaching me all of those systems, just opening my eyes up to that, that right there, yeah, she's, she's the woman that's responsible for, for setting the wheels in motion. Man, that's, uh, that's epic. And there's something that one of my uh, mentors, John, really touches on a lot of the time is the idea of like that going the extra mile, the generosity, doing the thing that you don't have to do for somebody. Like you're on placement there. Like she's already going out of her way to bring you in and let you like sit in the back and teach you stuff. But identifying, going, hey, you know what? This might not actually be what you're after. Let me teach you something in this time here rather than you going up wasting your time in your three-week placement and learning stuff that you don't actually you're not going to need in your life let me teach you this stuff here that will that's that going that extra mile that generosity and and that's the stuff that i think always gets paid forward as well which is a super cool thing uh it's one of those things that when when you have somebody do that to you you can't really ever pay that back properly like there's no way that you could go and make a million dollars and go back and give her a million dollars and go, hey, this, I owe you this for what you taught me. But it's not that like, it would never still be an actual like even value thing. Like because what they would have given you is always worth so much more. You can't put money on it. You can't, a lot of the time you can't even put words to it. But 
the only thing that you can go is, is hey, you know what, when somebody comes in here into my space, I'm gonna go that extra mile for them. And that's one of the things that uh, is super, super cool to hear that story is that that's what I see it coming from the content that you put out. Like you don't have to put out all the information that you do that's empowering the youth through your Facebook, through your Instagram and that sort of thing. But constantly there's posts and content that's not just the motivational quote on a, uh, on a photo and then done. It's thoughtful, it's you've put the time into it. And that's something that I really want to touch on as well while we're here is the why do you go with that versus it could be easier to do the other option. So that ties into a learned belief that I had that the hard way, like it, it has to be hard. Um, however, the, like the real answer behind that, the more that I sit with it, it's what comes naturally to me. Um, like when we look at these youth, it's like, okay, we, we could give them what they need, but no, let's give them what they deserve. And these kids deserve the best. Like, who are we to say that one kid deserves something and a kid deserves the other thing? Like, we are helping former versions of ourselves. So let's give every single ounce of everything that we have to develop this child. Because when we look at this, it's not about training, it's not about mental development, it's not about anything like that. It's about human development. Like, we have the opportunity to give these kids the tools the resources, the skills, the understanding that we now have at such a younger age. So they are going to get to ascend this ladder at such a fast rate. Like I look back and I'm like, man, if I knew half the stuff that I know right now that some of our kids who are sort of 16, 17, 18 know, man, their potential's huge. They're set up with these fundamental skills to go on and achieve what they want to achieve in life. Like, and that's a very, very fulfilling position to be in. And that's the, uh, the magic as well. Like, I think in what you guys do is really in that, like, you're not only giving the kids the, the information on how to train or that sort of stuff, like the, the whole world around it, the tools on how to manage their own, uh, whether it be performance, anxiety, and which carries over to just feelings and emotions in general and that's what that's one of the things that's super cool about sport is if you take those opportunities to learn the lessons that can carry over elsewhere in your life it has a huge impact but like when we started coming through and the guys that you rattled off uh jay Faruja, zach Evanesh, luca hosova like those are the guys that i i started watching and listening to and, and this comes back to the same thing like I, i'm very strong in the belief of sharing as much as possible rather than holding it tight because that's the same thing those guys were doing at that point. And I think that's one of those like constantly pay it forward pieces. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've watched Zach Evanesh on videos and the dude's still doing it now. Like since like, I think 2004, 2005, making YouTube videos, making blog posts, the dude doesn't stop. And such a it's just cause he just loves it so much. And he's so into helping other people mm-hmm. that it's like, I don't have anything better to do with my time. Like what, why spend time sitting on Facebook when I could just create something for somebody else for when they are sitting on Facebook that could change their, change their day, change their attitude potentially. And, and I think it's an exposure over time thing. We've got so much other stuff that we see now that I think we have to be fighting the good fight to be pushing those uh, positive drivers and, and trying to re-ingrain the way that people think mm-hmm. to actually get across there because there is a whole bunch of stuff that's just very surface level or just like entertainment like a lot of those platforms are very entertainment focused but 
Man, this has been epic so far, and I, I don't want to uh, take up too much of your time with this one today. Let's really focus in just quickly on like, what are some of those key lessons? You said that like, who, who you're coaching is like former versions of yourself and trying to bring, give them the tools that you didn't have at that point in time. What are some of those key things that you find yourself always hitting home on that, that tends to resonate with these kids the most? And maybe something like, something that like a lot of these things I think a lot of adults still need to learn mm-hmm. too so maybe three four key things mm-hmm. that you think that are really really valuable yep. that we could share with the people that are listening now so what we find is that everything comes back to confidence self-esteem self-image and language it's the foundation that everything's set upon so when you look at the overarching context of it all we all have identities of ourselves yeah? we all see ourselves in a certain way but we're in control of that. Like we hold the pen, we get to write the story. Life is happening for us and nothing is predestined or preset. We can change it at any moment in time. So when we look at these kids, it doesn't matter if it's a kid that's simply coming in because they love sport or it's some of our boys who are in the jet system and even some of our kids that have gone on to you know, national levels, it comes back to confidence. It's not a physical skill set that's lacking. It's their perspective of themselves and how much they believe in themselves. But the thing that people need to know about confidence, this is everyone, if I were to say to you, describe confidence for me, what is it? Yeah, it's a hard thing to describe. Like it's, it's a, to me, I, I, you can see it and you can feel it, but you can't necessarily describe it. Yeah, so is it a skill? Is it a, is it a feeling? Is it a thought? Is it a, a way that we act? Is it how we present ourselves? Like, no one really knows how to describe it. You know, a lot of the words that people throw up, it's like, well, no, actually, that's belief in yourself. You know, that's you just backing yourself. Like, what, what is confidence? You know? We appear quite confident right now. Yeah? Yeah. Why? We're relaxed. We're calm. Having fun. So we're comfortable in this moment. We're comfortable in this experience. The reason that we can be comfortable here is because we're competent. Yeah? How many times have you had a conversation about this sort of stuff? Yeah. It's second nature to you. So we look at it and we say, okay, if I have competence doing the thing that I want you know, more confidence in, then I'm going to find comfort there and that's going to allow me to exude this confidence of you know, being calm, relaxed, projecting myself, walking in, you know, chest proud, taking up a lot of space. So we say to the kids, whatever you want more confidence in, you need to go and spend more time doing it. You need to put in the reps. It's a paradox because I'm scared of doing it and I don't want to, but that's the only way that I'm gonna find confidence because I'll find comfort, I'll find competence. So we look for those two things instead. So our kids who are like, no, I wanna be able to walk up to someone and say hello. It's going to get easier with time. The hundredth time you do it is going to be so much different to the first time and you'll feel more confident. It's going to be second nature because you've got the reps and now you're comfortable at it. I love that, man. That's so good. It's, it's definitely where, where it's at. It's a repeated exposure to something and all of a sudden it becomes normal and you don't, you're not scared about it. Like going back to the podcast, I use this as a reference a lot. The first time that I jumped on by myself, it was scary as hell. Then when I went to the point of like, I got comfortable doing that. And then I was like, all right, now I'm gonna get somebody else on and we're gonna share their story. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, what if I don't do a good job of bringing uh, the, mo- the best out of Nick? And I got concerned about it. But then 
after a while it was like okay I'm good with this now and then all of a sudden I stopped doing the ones by myself and I got nervous about them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's like the videos on, we're, uh, we're on YouTube now as well. And that's okay if it's me and you, but I was talking before as I get, I get nervous about it, it's okay, I'm just talking to the camera and nobody else is here. So that, that level as well as there's so many pieces to that there, but it all comes down to as soon as you take that step, mm-hmm. you're always better for it. Yeah. So that's where it ties into that second big piece about language. Like you look at identity and you break it down into three points. So you've got identity, then you've got the stories that we tell ourselves about, you know, experiences, memories from the past or projections of what's going to happen in the future. And everything's made up on words. Yeah? So you're talking yourself out of jumping in front of video. Yeah. You have an internal dialogue that's going on where I'm going to imagine that you use a lot of uh, negations. So things that you don't want to happen and that you don't like. You know, a little bit of soft talk of, oh, you know, I think I should do this, but I probably won't. And you're going to use some projections of what are other people going to think and yeah. you know, how are they going to perceive me. So if we can start to change that language, that internal, you know, story that we're telling ourselves, then we're going to start to change the identity as well. Yeah. So being able to have conversations with kids where we can make them more aware of the language that they're using when they're communicating with themselves and communicating with others, we're now going to get a more accurate story and with enough time and again, just repeated exposure, we're gonna to start to form a new identity because the internal dialogue that's going around is so much more positive and so much more empowering than it used to be. I love that, man. That's such a great spot to finish up on. And thank you so much for coming on the episode. Uh, what's the best way for people to find you if they're listening to this? Uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of people that listen to this and take a lot, of, uh, a lot out of this episode. So. What's the best way for them to find you, find out more about you, keep in, in the loop with the empowering stuff that you're constantly putting out? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if, if you want to follow the kids on the academy, um, the best way would be go to Instagram. It's just at the youth academy. Uh, and I do a lot of writing, um, a lot of videoing myself from a, a personal standpoint. Um, the best way for that too would be Instagram. It's at underscore underscore Nick Mayer, N-I-C-K-M-A-I-E-R. Perfect, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you jumping on. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for the opportunity.